0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Gellman Report. I'm your host, Ellie Gellman, and in today's episode, we are going to be grading some of the most recent NBA off-season moves. We're gonna be talking about five moves that specific teams made to either improve or, in my opinion, make their team worse, and we'll be giving them a letter grade. Uh, so we have a bunch of uh, moves to go over, so let's not waste time, and let's get right into the episode. So the first move that we are going to be going over is the Bucks trading for Drew Holiday. So early in the NBA offseason, the Bucks made probably, I would say, one of the biggest moves in uh, this NBA offseason, and they traded for Drew Holiday. So in this trade, the Bucs got um, Drew Holiday, uh, and they gave up Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks. And so while they did give up a lot of depth in this trade and... Uh, While they did give up a lot of depth in this trade, they did get some of that back in a free agency with signing DJ Augustine, uh, Brian Forbes, Torrey Craig, and and Bobby Portis. But giving up three first-round picks, which is basically your entire future for the next few years, that is a hefty price uh, for a player like Drew Holiday. I'm not saying that Drew Holiday uh, is a terrible player. He's one of the best uh, defensive guards in the NBA. Very, very underrated. Shouldn't have been an all-star uh, should be more than a one time all star, but he's not up to that star caliber player like a James Harden, LeBron James, or even like a uh, Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, De- uh, Devin Booker player like that. I would say he's probably in the third tier of player, and giving up three first round picks is uh, a lot for a player like him. Um, and along with giving up so many picks and a bunch of your depth, um, he has a huge contract. And not that just he has a huge contract, it's that. It's going to only be for one year. So a few years ago, Drew Holiday signed a five-year deal with the Pelicans, um, with including a player option. Uh, so that means, uh, and and this is the fourth year of his deal. So that means that if this season with the Bucks does not go well, meaning they don't have a deep playoff run, um, that means that the Bucks would have traded all of their depth and their and their future for one year of Drew Holiday. So this kind of trade. Uh, could work out. It could work out like Kawhi Leonard when the Raptors traded for him and he only stayed for one year, but they ended up winning a championship. Or it can end up that the Bucks traded away their entire future and um, and their depth and wasted $26 million paying Drew Holiday for one year and no championship. So because of all these negatives that came out of the trade, giving up your depth, um, giving up your future, and the risk of only having Drew Holiday for one year and losing all that cap, um, I'm going to give this a C minus. Not the worst move, but definitely, definitely not the best move. So yeah, that that move uh, gets a C minus. And so the next move that we're going to be talking about is the Nets re-signing Joe Harris. So the Nets in this offseason, they re-signed uh, guard slash forward Joe Harris to a four-year deal worth $75 million dollars. So you're probably think that this is a lot of money for Joe Harris. Uh, Joe Harris is not one of the most well-known players in the league. If you're kind of just a casual NBA fan, you won't know who he is. But he is, again, similar to Draymond, one of the most underrated players and underappreciated players in the league. Harris is a 6'6 guard that can rebound, play defense, and shoot the ball as well as anybody in the entire league. Just a few years ago, he was the NBA three-point champion. Um... And he played a key success to the. uh, uh, He played a key role in the Nets' success in the bubble. Uh, The Nets went on a uh, kind of a a good run in the bubble, and and they were able to clinch a playoff spot. And that team is really, really young. And him being, I think, uh, 29, 30 years old, that gave him that veteran leadership. And And having him re signed, again, gives you that leadership, giving you that rebounding from the guard position, and giving you great defense. I would like to compare him to. Uh, clay thompson without clay thompson name they have very similar play styles i would say uh joe harris is even a better uh rebounder but both can shoot the hell out of the ball both can uh play great great defense for their respective positions and yeah i'm a big fan of joe harris And i think if you asked any single person um any general general manager any person in any nba offense they would definitely be paying uh for uh this contract it is a bit hefty but they are they are now in win now mode the nets and having a player like joe harris is going to um, help them succeed in that uh, championship run so for this i give them a b grade definitely better than that drew holiday move and i really really like this move for the nets um, and now we're going to be on to the next one and that is the hornets signing gordon hayward this in my opinion was the worst move in the entire offseason for any single team um so the Hornets, they signed Haber to a four-year deal worth $120 million. This is one of the worst contracts in, in the NBA right now and maybe in recent NBA history. Uh, this deal uh, uh similar, in my opinion, to the Andrew Wiggins contract, the extension that he signed with the Timberwolves. That deal was five years for $147 million dollars. But the difference is, while that is a terrible, terrible contract for a player like Andrew Wiggins, I would much rather have Andrew Wiggins on my team than Hayward. Both streaky shooters, but Wiggins is a little bit—not a little bit—is way younger and more athletic than Hayward. So, but either way, both terrible contracts, and I think this was a terrible signing uh, for this team. Uh, so the Hornets are going to be playing. Are going to be paying Gordon Hayward thirty million dollars a year. And he's going to be playing second fiddle to the second overall pick in the entire, or the third overall pick in the entire draft, Lamelo Ball. Um, so I don't understand why they're doing that. You're paying 30 million dollars for kind of, I guess you would say, a role player. Um, he's already 30 years old, which is a bit on the older side, um, and since his devastating injury. Uh, When in his first year, his first game in Boston, uh, he just has not been the same. His shooting percentages are down uh, from in every single spot three point, mid range, inside. Um, And of course, because of that devastating uh, ankle injury, he's just not as as athletic as he was before, which is one of his uh, biggest strengths as an all star in uh, Utah. Uh, And so the only positive that can come out of this trade. is he brings leadership to this really, really young team. This team is led by LaMelo Ball, of course, Devontae Graham, PJ Washington, um, the Martin twins. Those those players are extremely young, um, and he brings some leadership uh, and some playoff um, experience. But if that's what the main idea was by signing Gordon Hayward, you can get leadership for $20 million cheaper. One of We're not going to be going over it in this episode, but one of my favorite moves of the offseason was when the Bucks signed DJ Augustine. He's a great he's a great backup point guard brings in a lot of experience he's a great veteran of a championship and playoff experience and i would i think that the bucks i think that the uh, hornets would have um been would have been really beneficial for them to sign zigi augustine with all those young point guards on their team but instead they went for gordon hayward and now are going to be paying him 30 million dollars a year to average 18 points a game it's just kind of A huge waste of money especially because he as a veteran player and as an all-star in his career is going to want the ball in his hands and he's going to have a lot of touches and that's going to take away from the development of your younger players in LaMelo Ball in Devontae Graham um, and PJ Washington so that's just going to break down the entire offense and the entire um, growth of your young players. Uh, so for this move, a terrible, terrible move, I really hate it, it uh, I give uh, the Hornets uh, a D for this move. Now we're going to be going on to our fourth uh, move of the offseason, and that is the Suns trading for Chris Paul. And so this was one of the, this was really, really early in the offseason. Uh, the Suns traded for Chris Paul, uh, so they got, of course, they got Chris Paul and forward Abel, uh, Abdel Nadar, and they traded away... Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen um in the in the in a 2022 first round pick. So I think this. Uh, when I first saw this, I thought this was a lot giving up for Chris Paul, who's uh, 35 years old. Uh, kind of has everyone thought he's going to be on decline this pa- uh, in these past few years, but we'll soon have to be on a decline, getting into his late 30s. Uh, but then you more you think about it it makes more sense. You get a Hall of Fame point guard in Chris Paul who can do everything um, that you want a point guard to do. Rebound, pass the ball, he can score, and surprisingly has become a very good defender um, in his uh, in these most recent years. And along with getting Chris Paul, who is a Hall of Fame point guard, you get rid of a lot of those excess players that you had on their team. The, I think that major problem that the Suns had, they had a very uh, a deep roster, but just too many players in the same position. Uh, they did give up Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, uh, and who are were centerpieces in their team. But they re-signed a lot of their players. They re-signed Javon Carter. They still have Mikkel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Cameron Johnson. And they signed Jay Crowder. So giving up those two pieces, but they still had another. They gave up those two key pieces, but they re-signed and got some even better pieces in the offseason. season um, So adding Paul to this to a, I think. I wouldn't say a great, but a good team, a good young team that went 8-0 in the bubble. It uh, gives them a lot of veteran leadership that they desperately needed. Um, and now with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Aiden, along with all those great young role players that I just mentioned, now they have a legit big three, and they have a legit deep, great roster. They have Mikel Bridgers, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, Javon Carter, da- da- Dario Saric, C- uh, those are all great, great players, and this is a great move for the Suns. And I think they would be a, I think they're going to be a top five seed in the Western Conference, and probably going to make it to the, uh, uh, to the, um, to the second round. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make the finals. They're probably my dark horse pick to make the finals. Um, but yeah, they uh, they have a great team, and with adding Chris Paul uh, is going to help them a lot. So I give this move an A. And so now the last move or moves that we're going to be going over are all the moves that the L.A. Lakers made um, in this offseason. So I think that the Lakers had the best offseason out of any team in the entire NBA. To start, they traded away Danny Green um, and the 28th pick on this past year's draft, who ended up being Jaden McDaniels, and they got Dennis Schroeder. So trading away Danny Green for for a backup point guard that they desperately needed Um, with a similar contract, both being uh, Danny Green and Dennis Schroeder getting paid very similar amounts, so not such a shift in the cap. It's a huge win for the Lakers. Um, They did give up a pick, but the late first round pick is not going to be that big of a deal for a team that's trying to repeat in the championship. So getting Dennis Schroeder for that backup point guard spot is going to really help them. Danny Green, who's Pretty inconsistent and not such, um, not such a high caliber player. Um, uh, trading him away for Dennis Schroeder was a great move. And so, not only did they trade for Dennis Schroeder, but they also got, they also signed two great senders in Montrez Harrell and in Marc Gasol. Not only did they get both of these great centers, but they got them for extremely cheap. They signed Montrez to a two-year deal worth 19 million, and Gasol to a two-year deal. Worth around five million, so that is a that is first for Trez. That's getting you're getting the sixth man of the year for less than ten million dollars a year. Who's going to be a spark plug off your bench? Who's going to play great, great, solid minutes for you? And you get Gasol, who is a veteran a championship um, experience, has won a championship in Toronto, and is also now going to be able to play center um, instead of Anthony Davis, where. Anthony Davis has said multiple times he does not like playing in the center position rather than the power forward, so that's going to give some, uh, that's going to let AD play where he wants to play. And along with all of that, those great signings, they also signed Wes Matthews to a team-friendly deal and re-signed key pieces to uh, their championship uh, team. They re-signed Markeith Morris, they re-signed KCP, of course they signed LeBron to an extension and signed AD to that huge contract. And along with all those moves, the emergence of Taylor Hort Tucker in the preseason games, um, looking along with that, and all these moves, the Lakers are a great position to repeat as champs and are my favorites to win it all once again. So a great, great moves by the Lakers and that front office, front office. And I give all of these moves an A. Uh, yeah, so that we went over five teams in five. Uh, different, uh, five different moves, five different types of grades. And that is the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow on Twitter, follow on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And thank you guys so much for listening and goodbye.